the blast from our past network. Yes. I regret to inform you that Dryden Voss is dead. Murdered by the thief he hired to steal the coaxium shipment, his friend, Tobias Beckett. Is that so? Where is the shipment now? Gone. Beckett took it, slaughtered the others I alone survived. One man couldn't have done this alone. I wasn't there. But if I had been, perhaps I could have saved him. <laughs> Bring the ship and come to me on Dathomir. And you and I will then decide what to do about the traitor Beckett and his accomplices. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and welcome to our fourth installment in our Star Wars franchise walkthrough. We're walking through the series in chronological story order, which puts us at Solo, A Star Wars Story. And joining us this week is a very special guest. He's back for his fourth appearance on the show. You heard him on Total Recall, on Lock and Key, on the Commandi Challenge, and he agreed to come on and talk some Star Wars with us. Dean, please help me welcome our good friend, Alex Rupp. Do we clap? Do we clap here? Yeah, let's clap. We talked about that ahead of time. That's in my contract. You have to clap. Yeah. Yeah, this was arranged beforehand. This was demanded, actually. Right. You know what's funny? I I totally forgot that I've been... This is my fourth time on the show. How long have you guys been doing this for? Like... This is our fourth episode. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) You've been on all of them, man. We just do, like, six-month gaps. Wow. (laughs) We rely on you. I'm so... uh, Honestly, I'm really excited, and... I'm happy to be here talking about Solo. Like, there's a lot of, of course, I, I mean, I'll say it right now, Solo's not my favorite Star Wars movie out of, out of sure. all of them, but it's something different. I, I, I've not, I, you know, I don't, I don't normally get to talk about this movie with people, so I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, well, what was told to me from Dean was that you were excited to be on this episode because you had things to say about Solo. So I don't even know if those are going to be good things or bad things. So I'm very interested to, to go through this movie, but um, Alex, I don't you... know either. I don't know either, honestly. Yeah, well, like, okay. I don't know if they're going to be good or bad yet. Like we're gonna... it keeps going back and forth. <laughs> we're going to figure it out together. I'm kind of on the same page. So, uh, if you wouldn't mind, Alex, just give us a little bit of a background or history or whatever you want to tell us about. You know, your relationship with Star Wars. Are you a fan of the whole franchise? Are you a fan of certain movies? Um, what does that look like for you? I am, uh, I'm a fan of everything. Like it's, it's almost obnoxious. I've watched, (laughs) of course, every movie, all the TV shows, the animated ones I've read. 
I don't know how many of the books. Like it's there's so many. It's it's disgusting. It's taken up most of my like closet. I don't have room for clothes. It's just books. If, if I can interject, <laughs> Alex and I had a podcast before, and we were talking about how many Star Wars books he read on that podcast. And we had to stop the recording for him to go count <laughs> yes. how many books he had read. And it was close to 150. Oh, my Star goodness. Wars books. Yes. Oh, wow. So there's a there's a lot of uh, uh, useless Star Wars info, you know, rolling around in, in my head. And actually, I don't know if it's uh, an endearing story or like a pathetic one, but I, I've, I've never really talked about this before. But in high school, I... I didn't have a lot of friends at first. And uh, so I'm sitting in the library one day and I see that this group uh, not too far away from me, uh, this guy's reading a Star Wars book. And I, I could kind of hear from their conversations. Um, I'm like, I, I kind of want to be friends with them. So what I did was, this is the first time I'd ever read a Star Wars book. I went to the library and I read a Star Wars book because I wanted friends. <laughs> like, I did Amazing. This. And so I, I came into the library one day and I had the Star Wars book with me. It was... Uh, Oh, God, which one was it? It was uh, the first Darth Bane book. I think it's like Path of Destruction or something like that. And uh, the kid goes, hey, you read Star Wars? And I'm like, yeah. And so and I'm still friends with him today. Um, oh, nice. Shout out to Joe. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. It worked. Shout out to Joe. Yes. What's up, Joe? Yes. That's cool. Did uh, did that group of people tell you that you can be friends with them if you drop all attachments and have no feelings for anyone? I, I haven't seen I haven't seen my family since. So. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Mom, You're not allowed. You're not allowed to have a family. Mom, are you still out there? <laughs> no, she she. I'm sorry. She's I don't not. think you want to dig into that one. No. <laughs> you do not want to find her. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Cool. Um, then, what would your background with this film be? Uh, okay, so I, I I remember seeing the trailer for the first time, and I. So th this one came out after uh, the Last Jedi, right? Yeah, it came out yep. came out right after that. And I'm one of the people who really, really liked the Last Jedi. I know people are pretty split on that movie, but I I, I loved it. And I remember seeing the trailer for this and going, no, not interested, don't care. So I I I went the longest time without seeing it. I didn't see it till it was on Disney Plus. And oh wow. Uh, same. Yeah. So I I finally I finally watched it, and I, I don't know. Do you, do you want me to tell you like what I thought of it right now, or do you want to wait on that? Uh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. What do you yeah. want? Okay. Uh, I had so much fun with this movie. Cool. Like I, it's I don't think it's Hell a good yeah. movie. I don't. Um, I don't know. I, I I'm of two minds about it though. In a bubble, so like if I don't take the rest of the Star Wars universe uh, with this movie in a bubble, it's a really fun movie. I like it a lot. When I try and plug it into the rest of the Star Wars universe, it kind of falls apart a little bit for me. Um, but even even then, it's it's fun. It's fun for me. I'm Yeah, I'm totally down with that. It, it's fun. Um, yeah, exactly what you said. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. We'll, we'll elaborate on that a little bit. One more question. What is your favorite Star Wars movie? Is it is it cliche now to say Empire? Like you just got to do it. I, I feel like that's the go-to. Right? <laughs> it's what people. It's do. the truth, it's though. Yeah, we've we've already done it. Dean and I have done it. <laughs> okay. All right. Empire. Empire is my favorite. I I think it. Go I, I've made a list before in the past, of course, because I'm the, the super dork. Um, but it it's Empire, A New Hope, and then here a little maybe hot take Rogue One. 
not a hot take. We love a hot take. Not a hot take. All right, good. Hey, that that fit in. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, um, Dean and I declared Empire as our number one. And as we're going through these, I have great concern that I don't know if Empire, after I finish this franchise, is going to hold up in that number one spot. I'm concerned. I'm worried for the score. Because you think it'll be replaced by what? Attack of the Clones? Attack of the Clones. (laughs) Revenge of the Sith is your number one. I swear to God, Tim. I quit the podcast. Hey, uh, no, I'll tell you. Revenge what, of the Sith is not good, but I, I really like it. I can tell you my top three. What it, I already know what it's going to be, uh, I, but I don't know the order yet. But in my top three, not in this order, is going to be Revenge of the Sith. It's going to be Empire Strikes Back, and it's going to be Rogue One. There, that's going to cool. be my top three. I'm pretty sure cool. of it. Something weird would have to happen. Because I've already mentioned it, um, I've watched all of these recently in chronological order for the podcast. I was going to just do it month by month as we were doing the episodes, and then I watched <laughs> I watched The Phantom Menace, and I'm like, I'm digging in right now, and I'm going through everything in the next like week and a half, and I just went through everything. First time ever, going start to finish through the entire franchise, and it was really, really exciting. And uh, I really appreciated movies that I didn't necessarily like all that much before. And yeah, I just, uh, I'm curious if Empire is going to hold up. So I'm going to wait to see that one more time for the, uh, uh, that show uh, when we do that podcast and then we'll see what happens. So the last time I did that, I know this has nothing to do with Solo, but the last time I went through all the Star Wars movies was uh, in anticipation for uh, Rise of Skywalker. You know, I've done it before, but to get ready for that movie, I I watched them all. And you know what? I think people, I think people sleep on Phantom Menace a little bit. Sure. Uh, I I like the Phantom Menace. It, it accomplishes, I think exactly what George Lucas was, was going for. Um, All, all those people who hate Jar Jar Binks shut up. Like he's, he's a, he's a perfect character for what he's meant to do. Um, I, I, I see no issues with him. Now Attack of the Clones is bad. That, that that's a really bad movie. But. Ooh, I disagree. I disagree. <laughs> I, I agree with but that. But I, I agree. Uh, uh, the Dark Lord of the Sith, Jar Jar Binks, is a great character. <laughs> Tim, <laughs> Tim, enough with the Dark Lord Sith, the Jar Jar stuff. Hey, it's just fun to think about. It's just fun to I think know, about. I know. It's, it's fun. not it's true, just a but fun hey, time. open your mind. Yeah, okay? exactly. Open your mind. Take, guys, everybody. Oh, hey, look, Alex was on the Total Recall episode. Let's all take a little something from Quaid and open our minds. Interesting. Callback. <laughs> One can almost say Total Recall. Hey, Dean, what's your background with this film, Solo, A Star Wars Story? Uh, well, first, I would like Brian to mark the time because this is the longest we've gone before you introduced me, Tim. Uh, I mentioned your name before. That was your introduction. I said, Dean, please join me in welcoming our guest, okay. Alex Rupp. I guess that's that my was introduction. your introduction. Okay, fair. Fair enough. I had a really cheesy comment set up, Tim, and I know you just did that, so I wouldn't say it. You skipped over it on purpose. I thought you were just one of like the crew guys, Dean. You're you're <laughs> yeah. a guest. On yeah, show? I'm not. Like, yeah, I'm not just one, one of the crew hosts? checking yeah. the levels here. I'm one of the hosts as well. He makes me call him a co-host. Yeah. Yes. I had a big one set up. Because we have a big guest. I feel terrible. Okay. Um, hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Alex is here. And hey, Dean, you're whoa, here hey, as well. Whoa, 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 whoa. Clap. You're oh. supposed to clap. Alex is here. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. All right. Now and you hey, can get on with the Dean, Dean stuff. Dean, you're here as well. 
Uh, tell us something really insightful. Um, Tim, would you would you mind turning up your mic? It's so low, I can't hear it. How was was that good? Was that worth it? That's usually why I try to skip over those. That was pretty good. That was I think that was one of the best. I got another clap, so I think it was worth it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, best best is relative. It may have been one of your best. I might. I won't. Yeah, it may have that. been. Yeah, that, that's actually probably the top mark right there. Um, what was my question? What, cool. What's my history with what's Solo? Your, what's your background? Yeah, your history. How did you see this movie? I saw this movie in a theater, in in the chair in a theater, and uh, I came out of this movie saying, "I don't get it. I don't get why everybody hates it." Um, I thought it was okay. So then. Uh, you know, sort of leading up into this podcast, I was feeling a little a little worried because I kind of like it and I know people don't. We're having Alex, you know, on the show. I didn't want to ask him if he liked it or not. I just knew he had things to say, but I wanted to leave that for the podcast. So I would say I'm very relieved that both Alex and you, Tim, have a little bit of like, there's good stuff, there's bad stuff, you know, we'll have good things to say, bad things to say, because I freaking loved this thing like i had so much fun with it this time around and i i was worried i was worried i was gonna have to come here and try to say why it wasn't the worst star wars movie i mean maybe it is maybe it's the lowest on you know you know some people's list maybe it's the lowest still on your your list tim but uh i loved it i absolutely loved it so i i'm i'm excited I mean, I'll be honest with you. It is low on my list. It it might yeah. be fighting for the bottom. I have to watch some of the others again to see. But, um, I mean, even a bad Star Wars movie is is pretty good. You know? Heck yeah, I agree. I I, I streamed this one uh, same as Alex. I was not at all interested in seeing this. I was not going to see it in the theater. Um, I didn't even think I'd actually make it all the way through the movie because I'm a huge non-fan of director Ron Howard. I don't want anything to do with his movies. So I thought I'd fall wow. asleep in what? this one. And it's a hot I was take to kind of uh, surprised that this was actually kind of fun. So I went in with lower than low expectations. And by the end of it, I was like, yeah, that was kind of fun. I actually enjoyed myself. There was good, there was bad, but I, I watched a Ron Howard movie. So Alex, uh, you seem very upset about that. I, He's well, very okay, I'm just very confused. How uh, how how does someone not like a beautiful mind? Or Apollo 13? Or Apo yeah, Apollo 13. Well, I mean, Apollo 13, that was the only other Ron Howard movie I've been able to okay. sit through. Good. So that one, yeah. okay. Beautiful mind, I mean, I, I, I turned it off. I was like... Do, More do like I, a boring I mind. I didn't want to turn this on hey, like, oh. to fall asleep. It's like he's I don't know. I don't like his I don't like his movies. Yeah. I don't like he's so fucking boring that I get <laughs> ten minutes in and then I just my eyes start closing. It doesn't matter. They just start closing. You don't badmouth badmouth Opie, all right? <laughs> well, I like Opie. That's probably the best thing he's done. I loved him as Opie. <laughs> he should have just like tried to dig into that for his entire career. I'll tell you what though, his daughter, <laughs> holy shit, can she direct? Star Wars. Oh, stuff. she's terrific. Yeah. I can't yeah. wait till she gets her own movie. Yeah. It's got to be coming. It's got Yeah, it's got to be, be coming. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Yeah, let's move past that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. Hey, I got to be I got to be honest. I got to be honest with people. Yeah, of course. And it's a safe space, Tim. We won't we won't make you feel bad about it, although I think we tried to. I, I think tried. we tried to make yeah. you feel bad about Alex it. Alex yeah. tried to. Yeah. 
I don't. Alex feel, tried really hard. I don't yeah. feel bad. N- nobody will make me, good. That's like trying to make me feel bad for not seeing Titanic. I I refuse to feel bad for not seeing that oh, movie. This, you just like to keep pushing my button on this Titanic one. You know I love Titanic, and every single time you just yeah. want to hit Titanic. Why? 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 Why would you not watch Titanic? Um, it was mostly because of how popular it was at a time where I was like, <laughs> if anything that's really big in the mainstream, I don't think is cool. So I'm going to avoid it at all costs. So I, I do concede that that is probably a very, very good movie and I'm probably missing out. But once you dig your heels in so hard, you can't you come back with from it, that. Yeah. You can't, I can't go this long and, and then all of a sudden be like, you know what? Now I'm going to watch Titanic. And yeah. just go back Tim. on all of my morals from the last twenty five yes. years. You know how you know how much of my life I spent shitting on Matchbox Twenty, and now I'm just unabashedly <laughs> a, a, a fan of everything. Yeah, that they I get did. it. <laughs> yeah, I get yeah. that. I get that. Uh, uh-uh, I don't allow that anymore. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm holding on. I'm holding on to a couple of those. Yeah, Tim, that's me with Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I just, I, I say that's the movie I hate. I, I won't rewatch it because then what if I like it? I've been saying for years I hate it. What if I like it? Look, I'm sure if I watched Titanic, I would love it's it. It's kind of boring. I love Leonardo DiCaprio, right? I love yeah. James Cameron. I'm missing yeah. out. I'm 100% missing out. You are. But do I care? No way. I'm, okay. I've come too far. There's no turning back. It's going to be in my grave. Did not watch Titanic. Does not care. Yeah, it will be. That's your stone. <laughs> Refused. Refused to watch Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> ah, okay. Um, I think this movie looks great. Uh, I thought it had really good pacing. There's a lot of fan service. I thought the movie had a ton of heart. A ton of heart. One of my favorite things in the movie, how much heart it had. And... I just thought overall the story felt weak for a Star Wars film. And I would have preferred the lengthy, lengthy action sequences be shortened to provide a more grandiose plot for the story. That'd be my beef. I get it. I get you. I I like the... Um, so for me, I kind of relate it to like MCU when they've done like a like some some movies that are they've tried to like switch what the tone is of it and you know they're making like Captain America Winter Soldier which is supposed to be like some sort of spy movie and then they make Ant-Man which is supposed to be a heist movie you know these movies that are a little bit more contained and so I felt like that was this you know Star Wars trying to do that let's do Solo let's make it a completely heist movie that's all it is is a heist movie but then yeah there is all this you know sort of fan servicey stuff thrown in so it makes it feel a bit grander than it is which I think might be what turned people off. You know, just all that, all the stuff feeling like, feeling like they're trying too hard to tie it back in. So, okay. My problem with this is, is you call it Solo, and then Han Solo ends up being my, the least interesting character to me in this movie. Right. For sure. Agreed. Kira, um, Amelia Clark in the movie, is terrific. Uh, you have Donald Glover as Lando who just knocks it out of the park. Woody Harrelson uh, as um, uh, Beckett, um, who, kinda t- it, it, who, who runs the, um, the like bandit group that he, mm-hmm. he joins up with, is, is, is terrific in the movie. And it's not that uh, the the actor does a bad job. And uh, Alden Emmerich, is that his name? Yeah. It's Alden, like Alden, Alden Aaron Alden Emmerich? Aaron Emmerich, there you go. 
There we go. It, he doesn't do a bad job by any means. It, all the problems that I have with his character come from the story, like from the script itself. Um, I, I thought he did a great job. I thought he was charismatic. Um, it's just what, what he had to work with didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you missed my two favorite characters in the movie as Paul Bettany as Dryden Voss. What an amazing so villain. Good. And yeah. then um, Lando's fembot L337, one of the best droids yes. in the Star Wars universe. Yes. I would have... I don't feel... Uh, I, I really like the droid, uh, but I just... I, I felt like we didn't get enough time spent uh, with her. Ooh, agreed. And yeah. and so, like, when uh, when the droid dies, I'm like, eh, okay, well, whatever. Because I, I, I just wasn't as attached. Yeah. I, I only cared because of how well they did that scene where he loses her. They did that That's very, true. very well. But yeah, you're right. I didn't really... But it goes back to what you had said, Tim, about how you wish that they would have uh, shortened some of the action scenes to expand on the character bits. And that's what we needed was we needed more more time spent with with that droid to make me care. Like when uh, uh, K2SO dies in Rogue One. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I felt that. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. I I feel like they were kind of trying to do a a similar thing in in this um, with that droid. And it didn't. It didn't have the same impact. And the problem is it could have. Yeah, it, it yeah. definitely could have. It should have. Yeah, it should have. It should have. It should have. Yeah. yeah. So released in 2018 with a budget of $275 million, which puts this movie tied for seventh place for the most expensive movie ever made. This movie grosses $393 million, making it the lowest grossing Star Wars film. So only grossing one, only netting one hundred and eighteen million, pretty much put a screeching halt to the Star Wars movie making factory. After this, well, when you have to reshoot like eighty percent of the movie because yeah. you bring in a different director, it's going to cost a lot more money. True. Yeah, it was eighty percent of what the original two directors had shot. So I'm not sure what point they brought them in, maybe halfway or something. But that's yeah, true. Exactly. That's true. I want to play a quick game though, if you guys are down. Heck yeah. I want you guys to try to guess what the top seven highest budget movies of all time are. So Solo is Solo is tied at number seven with another movie. So there are seven movies for you guys to choose. Highest budget movies of all time. The list does not account for marketing budget. And these are all modern movies. And I have one more big hint if you run into trouble or I can just tell you now. Okay. Uh, let, let's try to do this. I think we can do this, Alex. You, I you're, you're you going to be better before. at this than I am. I'll let but, you know yeah, this is going to be very tough. I, I don't, you don't even need to get them in order. Just give me the seven. It's okay. going to be oh, very cool. difficult. Okay. Cool. Avatar, right? Avatar is not on the list. Okay. What? Well, what? Throw that list away. Rip it out. Throw it away. Yeah. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what the list should be. All right. No. Um, <laughs> I don't know why Avatar is uh, not on the list. You would think that that cost a fortune, right? Okay. Um, Endgame? I was going to say Endgame next, yeah. Endgame is number three at $356 million. We got one. We got one. Okay. Uh, so then Infinity, Infinity War, War? Should we just yeah. do that? Yeah. Okay. Infinity War is number four at okay. $325 million. Okay. Um, Tim, is this, um, is this like adjusted for inflation or just straight up dollars? Uh, to be honest with you, I think it's adjusted for inflation, but that still didn't get any of the old movies on the list. Okay. 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 Yeah. Sure. 
Um, okay. Um, dang. Uh, okay. What about, what about... Okay, wait, hold on. I think yes. there's some confusion. So the reason Avatar is not on this is because we're yeah. looking for the highest budget movie, not yeah. the mo no, highest I, grossing. I know, I know. Okay. Yeah, no, no, yeah. 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 So I Avatar, still thought it would Avatar be... grossed the moon, but yeah. wasn't one is of the... Tim... I'm going to throw one out here. Is uh, is True Lies on the list? That's a great guess, but no. Okay. Um, Alex, what do you think about uh, some of the Lord of the Rings movies? Yeah. I Maybe mean, not? So... Which, one, which one do you think would have been the most expensive? Two Towers? Let's do it. Yeah, Two Towers. Yeah, of course. The Lord of the Rings are not on the list. And Avatar Dang. came in at $237 million, putting it okay. far short of uh, the 275 yeah. of Solo. Okay, well, I think we'll take the hint. We'll take yeah, the hint now. Please. The hint are is... Are they all Marvel? <laughs> <laughs> Close. The hint is only one of the movies on the list is not a Disney property. Oh, Okay. Only one of the movies on the list is not a Disney property. Uh, okay, so let's pick another Star Wars movie. Uh, I guess. Like, Disney property is everything. Yeah. Uh, um, Rise of Skywalker? Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker is tied at number seven with Solo. Okay. Uh, so would one of the... Force Awakens? Force Awakens? Yeah. There are no more Star Wars movies on the list. Damn. Okay. <laughs> but there's Disney properties? Okay. Okay. Um, um, Age of Ultron. I don't, I'm trying to think of like other... They got to be Avengers. other Marvel movies, yeah. right? Big Marvel movies. Age um, of Ultron is number two on the list. Okay. Whoa. 365 oh, million. Wow. Hey, okay. should we go just all the way back and just go for there Avengers? There are no the more Avengers? Avengers movies on the <laughs> Come list. Come on. Oh, my God. <laughs> are there other Marvel movies on the list, Tim? There are no more Marvel movies on the list. You guys are missing... But they're still Disney. Okay, you're missing three is... movies. Two of them are from Disney from the same franchise. And then there's another movie. Okay, so... Disney from the same franchise. What big Disney property is am it, I not... Paying? Tim, is it animated? Nope. Live action. Yeah. Yeah, no. That... Live action. Is it is it straight up Disney or is it something they've acquired? It's uh, straight up Disney, and it's two movies I have not seen and I will never see. Okay. Uh, okay. Disney's um, recent uh, adaptation of Titanic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Is, that, is that one of them? <laughs> yeah, Ron Howard's reimagination of Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, a huge franchise. Many, many movies. Yeah. Many movies, huge franchise, original Disney, live action... I'm going to kick myself once. Tim, when was the most recent movie? When was the most recent movie in this franchise? Um, well, the, the one at number one was from 2011. What the hell? <laughs> okay, there's a ton of movies in this franchise. What are we missing from Disney? Do you give up? No. I mean, I think we should. I think we should, but... <laughs> I don't know, Tim. Can you give us any sort of clue? Like, I, any other clue I give you is going to give it away. That's okay. okay. That's okay. Okay. Um, Major actor in the leading role. Kind of looks like a pirate. 
Oh, oh Pir- fuck. Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, number one, 379 million. And at number five, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, 300 million. All of that for movies that aren't very good. <laughs> I don't exactly. even think about that as Disney property. And obviously it is. It's a ride. It's a Disney yes. ride first. Yes. I don't even think about that. Wow. I Those movies like don't exist. So there's one more movie tied at number five with Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End at $300 million. Came out in 2017. Transformers? No. A Transformers it, movie? No. It's a superhero movie. It's not Marvel. Oh. Oh, uh, Justice League. Justice League. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's your list. Wow. wow. Okay. Wow. We did not do. I mean, we did okay. You did we pretty did. good. Oh, you right. actually did better yeah. than I like thought. Like half. You did. Yeah. That's a tough. That's a tough ass list. Tough list. Yeah. Oh, <sighs> pirates. They always escape me. Those pirates movies. Yeah, because they're yeah. terrible. They're, I, yeah. I, I mean, I've only seen one or two. I think I've seen two. I think I saw one I and could, a half. I remember. I one of them came out while I was working at a mo- at, at, at a at a movie theater. Uh, here in town and uh, they had done they had done all of us dirty like they were awful to work for there oh no and so I wait I knew I was gonna quit and I waited till the night of huge premiere of the Pirates of the Caribbean movie and I, I walked in I said all right I'm leaving and they were very upset with that but <laughs> Excellent. I, I, I felt like I got back at them all, all, honestly all it really did was probably just harm my fellow co-workers so I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> you guys um, but at the time I thought I was sticking it to the theater yeah for sure yeah attaboy <laughs> all right so no no opening crawl to this movie but they do give you a little bit of a background of what's happening and that is that it is a lawless time Crime syndicates compete for resources, food, medicine, and hyperfuel. On the shipbuilding planet of Corellia, the foul lady Proxima forces runaways into a life of crime in exchange for shelter and protection. On these mean streets, a young man fights for survival, but yearns to fly among the stars. How redundant was that, though? We didn't need any of it. You could have just went right into the movie because we learn all of that. As, as you go through it. Yeah, I'll tell you the one thing I did like, and that was the inclusion of the shipbuilding planet Corellia. Because mm. we always hear about how good the Millennium Falcon is. Even though it, it looks, it's a YT-1300. Well, even though it looks like a hunk Corellia. of shit, like, it's, it's, it's the Corellian freighter. It's great. I liked learning that the planet it was built on, all they do is build ships. So yeah, this is a good ship. It came from a great place. So I like that for that reason. I just I I, I just didn't need it. Like I, I don't know. It's okay. We've watched we've watched in chronological order going up now. So we watched all the prequels. This is the next movie we watched. So I just like it's a lawless time. That's the part I like because cool what too. we've seen up to this point is that it was a democracy and now it's an empire. And so I like starting off and it's like it is a lawless time. And this is what's going on. So I know we're going to see most of that stuff, but that part, that specific part I like. Cool. So pretty fun opening sequence. We meet a young Han Solo and his girlfriend, Kira. And Han has ripped someone off. He's kept a very valuable vial of a fuel called coaxium. He lies to uh, this lady Proxima about it. Then he and Kira have to escape her grasp. We get what I thought was a really great land speeder chase as these two are trying to rush off the planet to save their lives. Now, Alex, what did you think of this opening sequence? Okay. Um, 
the action, whatever, it was it was it was fun and whatnot. But my favorite part of the opening is actually when uh when Han and Kira meet up for the first time and the way that they are talking together, it's so melodramatic, but it feels so Star Wars, like if you go back to the original movies, a lot of it is, uh, it, it, it feels like a soap opera. It's a soap opera in space. And the way that they had acted at the beginning, I I mean, maybe it wasn't done intentionally, but it just felt so sappy. And to me, it worked. Uh, I, I, I really liked seeing him. it. It established to me, even though they might, the the actors are older than the characters that they're portraying at this time, it, it makes them feel younger um yeah and uh, i it, it just worked i, I like that a lot yeah I, I agree yeah i think it works a lot i really like them right away you know i'm rooting for them right away which is really important in this case um i really love that everything here is practical i like that like yep. lady proxima is just this big giant worm i love that there's these like whatever the 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 henchmen are whatever the soldiers that are her you know sort of soldiers um that they're, you know, practical, they're in suits. And then they have this thing where like, they can't be in sunlight and yeah. like the sunlight shines in and all this like stuff closes up around their face. You know, they have these suits that close up. Mm-hmm. I'm just like totally on board right away, especially watching these three digital movies up to this point, which looked great. Those digital movies did look great, but just seeing this practical effects, just it's, it's something that just like softens my heart right away. You know, right away. I'm like, Oh, I love star Wars. I love space creatures. I want to see more. Yeah, so in an attempt to get off the planet, Han and Kira get to customs of, like, the spaceport, and Han gets through, but Kira doesn't. And I loved this angle. You know, just like you guys have been saying, they've already established this sappy relationship that I as well am buying into. Um, you know, it, it works to show us how close they are. Right. We know how close they are because of almost how sappy it is. But then complete disaster strikes when she gets left behind. And that leaves Han with basically one objective, and that is to get her back. Like that is his mission in this movie is to get back Kira because he feels like it was his fault that she got left behind. So um, they also at this opening sequence, they establish this trinket that Solo has this. um, He's got like two chance cubes on a like a chain right. that's uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they need that in the movie, but I'm, I want to point it out because it, it continues through the franchise. It's in um, the original trilogy and it's in the sequel trilogy as well. So they make a point of carrying it on. So I'm bringing it up here as this is where it starts. Yeah, I like it. I like it as something that gets sort of passed between the two of them um, in multiple times in this movie. I, I think it is just, it, it is something that, um, you know, I feel like it's one of those nods that the fans can get mad at. Um, because like, I don't know, in this movie, people get a, really mad at whenever the movie wants to sort of hint that it's part of Star Wars and that this is solo. Why? And this is part of Who the story. Who are these people? So I, I think this is what I think, this is what I think it is. It's because of this Han Solo moment when he sort of gets the last name Solo. It's very jokey. It's very bad. It's the worst part of the movie, in my opinion. I think it could have been played off a lot better. Instead of the guy sort of making a joke, it should just be that if you don't have like a last name, they give you Solo. Kind of like John Doe, you know, they, they, they just give you that. I think that would have played better. I think that he makes a joke. It makes it horrible. And I think at that point, people kind of shut off 
to wanting anything that ties into, you know, the overall solo story. I didn't take it as a joke. I thought it was completely oh, fine. I, I understand, Dean, that you're just saying that people got upset at it. Um, yeah. I don't understand why. It's the same people who, who get upset in Revenge of the Sith when Vader screams out no, and they make fun right. of the weight. What was it not on pitch for you or something? Like what you're, <laughs> it's too weird that he takes a few steps and then screams out no. Yeah. Like fuck yeah. off. That's what you're picking out <laughs> in this movie. Get your head yeah. out of your ass. Like it's not can a big we also deal. Establish, can we also establish real quick here that the worst part about Star Wars are Star Wars fans? Yeah, I'll agree with that for <laughs> yes. sure. Negative, let's say negative Star Wars fans. Yeah, yeah. I, I, just all of them. All of them. Myself included. We're all just the worst. <laughs> yeah. Just the worst. I'm going through this, Alex, this time with an open mind and an open heart. And I have many, many, many positive things to say. Um, the evil, uh, vengeful Star Wars fan that I used to be is gone. I've put him away because I've, I'm kind of coming at this in a different way. I've always kind of come at it like after the OG trilogy, I felt like Lucas owed me something. Right. And it, this movie better be as good as uh, Empire Strikes Back. You know, if you're going to reboot this series, it better be as good as what I remember. Well, guess what? Like, that doesn't matter what I want or what I think is going to be great. It's his franchise. He can do what he wants. I'm the spoiled brat who just wants more of this nostalgia that I got when I was a child. So but that's that's natural. That's like a natural way for people to react. So I understand where all this hate came from because I was living it. I was part of it. But I've kind of come to realize, like, they don't owe me anything in these movies. They're just yeah. producing these movies, and they're trying to keep certain things, you know, on a certain path. They're trying to keep the franchise to make sense within the world that it belongs in. And, like, if, if you don't like everything about it, who cares? Because they didn't make it specifically for you. They made it for the world, right? So, and there's everybody has different opinions on it, so... Um, you got to come at it. I don't know. You don't, you can do whatever you want. I don't care what you do, but I came at it with an open mind, open heart, and I'm really, really enjoying the experience. Good. I think that's great. I, I, I agree. Um, totally with that. Um, every movie has something that I find to enjoy in it, except for the, the last one, but we're not, we're going to stay positive. We're going to stay positive. <laughs> you can be negative if you want. I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to be positive. Yeah. But I, no, I like that. I like that. There's too much negativity. And, and I just, I just want to say like, I, I am fine with everything that's in this movie. That's nodding to star Wars. Like that is totally fine. But if, if I'm trying to figure out why fans don't like it, I think it's that moment. Fans don't like when you say Star Wars isn't serious. They don't like that part that it's a joke. They don't like that, it, which is why people don't like The Last Jedi. They don't like that people say everything doesn't matter, like nothing matters, you know, that, that it's not important. And so I think that this starting off with this joke is what turned a lot of fans off. I like it. I'm fine with it. But I, I do think that that's why this movie did poorly. Yeah. Can we also just keep in mind, too, that this is really made, I mean... Star Wars is made for kids. Yeah, it's, it's made for kids. For sure. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, so there's going to be jokes in it that yeah. that cater to a, a a different audience. Definitely. Yeah. So what we're talking about here is Han, he's at the spaceport. He's still in danger of being captured. And his only way to escape is that he signs up to join the Empire, which I thought was a really awesome twist. 
Very when cool. He, when he yep, signs up, he's asked who his people are. And I'm assuming that they mean who your who's your family? Like what's your surname? And he yeah. says he doesn't have any. He doesn't he doesn't have any family. So the Imperial agent enters his name as, as Solo. I didn't even take it as a joke. I just took it as like that's what they enter someone's name if they don't have a family. So well, that was totally fine. The the Imperial officer did sort of snicker. When he, he thinks he's pretty when clever. He came up, yeah. yeah, when he when when he types in Solo, he's like, "Ooh, yeah, that was <laughs> I'm so funny." <laughs> so they send us into the middle of a war here, where Han meets Beckett, played by Woody Woody Harrelson, as we mentioned. Uh, Han introduces himself, and Beckett says, "Nobody cares." Love it. I love Beckett. <laughs> love it. Movie. Yeah, great character. Beckett and yep. his crew work for a major crime organization called Crimson Dawn and are there stealing equipment from the Empire. That's a, it's just a fun idea. It's so good. Yeah. Well, the first time too that Han sees him, it, the camera does pan down to the armor that Beckett is wearing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and you can see the blaster, uh, the blaster marks on it. <laughs> he, took the, he took it off of some dead, you know, some dead trooper. It's got a bunch yeah. of holes uh, in it. Yeah. Which is great. It's, it's great. great. It's great. He's like, oh, yeah, I guess I guess I am the captain. <laughs> I guess I do give you orders. <laughs> right. I do want to mention here real quick, too, that I love that we got to see war in a Star Wars movie. Yep. Yeah. You know, it felt dirty. It, it was this was trench warfare, mm-hmm. uh, which we, you know, we really don't see much of in in the Star Wars movies. Um, in, I suppose, Attack of the Clones, we got to see a little bit of of war uh toward towards the end but and i'm trying to think a little bit there's more of like uh they always focus of course because it's star wars on on space combat but really that's the only time uh that we see maybe a little bit in last jedi I think, yeah, I think Rogue One is supposed to be like the boots on the ground war movie. And it wasn't really that like it wasn't really like this. No, you know, it wasn't no. really like this type of scene where it's just like right. kind of this terror was dirty in the middle of yeah. war and chaos. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I I thought it was really cool. The the way that they shot it, it, it felt like a, a, a war movie for the you know 10 minutes that we were in this in the section. I'd be so down for an entire Star Wars war movie just like this. Like, yeah. like this type of footage. I think it would be great. But mm-hmm. yeah. um, so Beckett gets Han arrested where he's thrown into a cell and meets Chewbacca. And I thought that was a lot of fun. Dean, what did you think about this first meeting with Han and Chewbacca? Yeah, I like it. I think it's great. Um, I I like how they sort of work together to get out. Um, I, I just, I think that's all already like sort of a, just a fun bonding between the two of them where like they, there's no reason for them to like each other at all, except they get together on this one goal. They both want to get out of here because he can see that like Chewie's chained up. So they both want to get out. Um, so yeah, I, I'm down with it. I, I'm really, uh, I'm really having fun with this scene when it's happening. I thought Chewie looked great. Like he, he just oh, yeah. looked, he looked so handsome, so young and handsome. He's so handsome. He's so tall. <laughs> he's such he's such a cool dude. Yeah, but he's great. also scary the first time we see. Yes, him. that was yeah. a nice touch. Yeah, yeah and like dirty. It. He's dirty too. Yeah. Well, well yeah, mind. that's why he's scary. Yeah, because he's <laughs> yeah. So Han and Chewie are able to escape the cell. They catch up to Beckett, who has already lifted off in his ship, and at the very last moment, one of Beckett's crew tells Beckett. You'll never have a deeper sleep than curled up in a Wookiee's lap. 
and that was apparently enough to sway Beckett to go back and pick up Han and Chewie. He wants that. He wants that nap. Really Someone makes nap. a claim like that. You got. I mean, you got to see. Yeah, you got to go just back. at least. Yeah. yeah, check it out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> What's the harm? <laughs> so Beckett and the crew, they're on their way to steal a huge shipment of coaxium, and that job goes terribly wrong. Um, yeah. Alex, this sequence here. What are your thoughts? Uh, it looked great. Yeah, agreed. Um, it was one of my favorite parts of the Star Wars movies is seeing all the different planets and terrain types. And this felt this this planet felt new, um, something it, it felt like something we hadn't seen before. Yeah. Uh, and it was the cowboys or the, you know, the outlaw cowboys trying to rob the train. Mm-hmm. Is, is what this was and so good. uh it's star wars has always pulled you know has, has had its uh uh influences its roots in in western and of course um the uh the samurai movies and, and and things like that but the the fact that they essentially do a train heist here was it's so much fun yeah yeah i agree um right from the beginning i just thought they were gonna win I thought they were yeah, going to get what right. they oh, needed. Oh, sure. Yeah. For um, sure. Uh, like Beckett's wife, she sacrifices herself so that they can get this coaxium. And yeah, they don't they not get win it. after that. Exactly. Yeah. That's the point where you're like, they're going to get it because she she killed herself to help them and they don't yeah. get it. It, it. That's such a dark moment that I wasn't yeah, expecting. For sure. Um, that's like, that adds to the heart uh, in this movie. Like it doesn't all have to be good stuff, like great fun relationships. Like this was a dark moment and yeah. it, it worked for me. So this was, I, I think it's the first major moment in the movie that you realize, oh, they're going to be subverting expectations in this movie. Yeah. And it, and from this moment till the end of the movie, they continue to do it. Yeah. I think they probably started that with Kira when she got separated from Han. But I I agree with mm. you. They they are doing this throughout the That's movie, true, yeah. time and and again. They they continue to do it. That's one of their themes is to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it didn't work. It didn't work out in this heist because they basically got intercepted by marauders that they were worried about. But Beckett was like, "Oh, nah, whatever. They're not gonna. They don't know what we know, so they're not gonna show up." And uh, so the the lead. Um, of of this group is uh, Enfys Nest, which I think is a really cool name for a character. Ooh, I was gonna go the other way. I really, don't think I it's think cool. it's really fun to say. I think it's Enfys cool. Nest. I think it's it cool menacing. if it's her and her group. Enfys Nest, like that's her team. Okay, okay. But as yeah. a single name, oh, Enfys I like it. Nest. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't get it for a single person. I, I like it because of because of Han's first reaction is like what's an Enfys nest? Yeah, and like right, right well, away exactly. it's like it's such a weird name, you know? It's yeah. like what's an Enfys nest? It's like it's a person. Yeah. Uh, what I loved about her and her marauders in this movie is that it showed how important perception is, because in the movie they make Enfys nest look like the villain, but she's the good guy, and we're following yeah. the villains. Han's the villain, Beckett's the villain, but it's like, they don't really get into that a lot with Star Wars, right? We're always Mm -hmm. perceiving it from the good guy's point of view. Let's see something from the other point of view making, you know, like, let's see it from the Empire's point of view, making the rebels look like pieces of shit. 
And we got a little bit of that here with Enfys Nest, where she yeah. really looks like the bad guy, and you really hate her in the movie. Um, but that's from the point of view of the bad guys. Yeah. Now, one one thing that this scene started for me, uh, which was an ongoing narrative in the movie, is that it looked great. You can really tell where the budget went, but I'm starting to get bored. The action sequences are they're too long. They're too drawn out. Dean, you know that this is a beef of mine that I have with movies yeah. where uh, an action sequence goes on too long. I just start to tune out. That happened a lot for me in this movie. That's kind of my major beef. Yeah, you're the you're the one percent of the world that hates the pod racing scene. Um, yeah, so that'll that'll tell you that right there. <laughs> uh, hey, that's not. There's more of us than one percent. Come on. Are you sure? Are you sure, Tim? Give us some credit, listeners. Feedback. Do you like pod racing? <laughs> well, I feel that in other scenes in the movie, I never felt that in this scene. I, I didn't feel like this one went on too long. Okay. I feel like there's, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on. And what I'm thinking when the scene is going on is they do a lot of, you know, Star Wars expansion in theme parks. This could be a cool ride. I wouldn't mind getting on top of this train. I well, would, be, you know, just that'd be dangerous, the, Dean. But maybe you could be inside. Well, I, the train. I mean, like in a rideway, <laughs> in a rideway, the train goes so like you know, it turns sideways, it goes back, it's going up and down. Um, you know, you have to blow it up at some point. I just feel like this could be a really fun ride. Um, and that was like the first thing I thought of when I saw the train. I was like, hey, hey, come on, come on, let's add this. You're not wrong. See, I'd be the one. I'd be the one getting off and wanting to throw up in the nearest waste bin. <laughs> <laughs> That means it's a good ride. <laughs> uh, it did its job. I, I, I'm getting old. We went to we went to Universal a couple of years ago, and uh, I hadn't been on a, a roller coaster or any sort of ride in in so long. And we got off of uh, it, it was the Hulk ride. It was the first ride we went on while we were there. And yeah. I about halfway through the ride, I went, "Oh my god." I can't do this anymore. I thought I was going to throw up. So every I wanted to ride all the rides still though. I just. <laughs> Alex, it, it, it I hurt. I'm too it afraid hurt. to do that ride, but I've heard that is a very jerky, unpleasant experience of a ride. It's very old and moves you around side to side. Oh yeah, there, there, there's a lot, but I felt that yeah. way even with the Harry Potter rides. Uh, yeah, the the one of the the Forbidden Castle or whatever the 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 Harry Potter ride in the castle is. It's also it makes me feel like I want to throw up. Yeah. Okay. Good. So yeah. I'm not the. Other. You have to know where to look. You have to know where to look on that ride. Sorry. Continue on, Tim. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Uh, Beckett lets Han and Chewie know that they were stealing coaxium for Dryden Voss of the Crimson Dawn and that this is now a very bad situation because they did not get it. And Han and Chewie are both still very much interested in making money, so they want to go with Beckett back to Dryden Voss and try to work out something, a new scenario where they can still work for him and make some money. And I thought it was a really nice touch that they let us know Chewie is after the money because he's trying to search for his tribe that he lost during the Battle of Kashyyyk. I thought that was very honorable. So, yeah, because Chewie's always been a very honorable character. So you might think, how did he get himself tied up with Han here? Now, I mean, I guess Han's like what Han is trying to do is kind of admirable as well. He's trying to get a ship to save Kira. But Chewie here, he, he wants to save his family. Like they're missing. He yeah. can't find them. He needs money to to look for them. I thought that was great. See, I heart, and, more heart. And, right. But here, okay. 
and the, there will be more examples of this later. But this is this is this is where I start to once you incorporate the rest of the Star Wars universe uh, in, into this, where the movie starts to fall apart for me is Han Solo at this time to me shouldn't be admirable. Agree. He shouldn't be doing this. He gains his heart in a new hope. So the arc that he goes on in this movie is pretty much the same arc that he has in A New Hope. And so he almost gets reset. At some point, they reset the character. And, and he, I think he shouldn't have been he shouldn't have been the admirable one in this in this movie. So I, I will push back a little on that because I, I do feel like there is a reset in this movie. I feel like they want to show you that there's good in this character and something bad happened to him. And that's why immediately he wasn't the good guy. And then he sort of had to be won back over because something's going to happen at the end of this movie that's going to crush him and make him the bad character. So I feel like that this sort of moment where it's like, he doesn't have to go with Beckett. There's the money, but there's also, he can, it's been three years. He was, he was, it's been three years. He can find, he can take some more time and find money in a different way. But he decides, I was on this job. I will go with you. It's going to be money, but it's also going to be, I got to stick with my friends. He, I think he, they want to show you that he sticks with people at this point so that when it happens later on in sort of a new hope, you're like, yeah, I knew this. I knew this. He had it in him. I knew this character had it in him. He was just pushing it away. I don't want to know that he has it in him. I know. I get, I, I get it. Hope. That's the whole problem with that. the movie. Yeah. You, you want to get to a new hope and not think he's going to come back. I, I do get that. Right. And and I think that gets to the point, too, of should this movie have been made? You know, should they have, should they should they have made this movie? I'm happy with all the Star Wars content, but I don't think this movie I'll say I don't think this movie needed to be made. No, no. The, the world is so big. Should they? And I'm not saying that that they shouldn't have but should they have maybe done this type of story but with a introduce a new character i do like these character origin stories but fuck off if the very first one you're going to give me is about han solo give me sidious give me a background story about darth sidious give me more on darth vader or something like why are you why is the very first one we get about han solo you just had you just covered three movies about Darth Vader. Great, let's have another one. Let's have give give me three more. But like I I don't I don't like Han Solo being chosen as the first character to give us a background story on. That's yeah. that's my problem. But I like if if we got this movie if this was like number five of like the background stories, I, I'd be okay with that. But I'm not rushing off to the theater to see a background story about Han Solo at this point. That's interesting because I. I don't think that this was a bad character to pick myself because I, I I think you have a lot of a lot of fans who love I they love the idea of Han Solo um you know I, I don't know if Han gave us that much I think Obi-Wan's the money character that's the one you should have went with that's the one they're going with now and everybody's excited about I think that's what you should have done Obi-Wan All right let's move on let's move we've yeah. been on this for way too long um <laughs> we meet Dryden Voss here and the very first thing we see him do is kill a governor i thought it was just a great intro to this character he looks great he's dressed in all black he's using a glowing red blade he has weird scars all over his face that glow red when he gets angry along with his eyes that glow red yes 
a beautiful, He's got a beautiful huge tell. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Right. Whenever he gets angry, you can't, if ever he's trying to play it cool and his like scars are red, you're like, oh, he's angry. He's super angry. When that guy gets red, you back off. You You back off. Yeah. Yeah. Now in a real shocker moment here where Han, Chewie and Beckett have gone to, to meet up with Dryden Voss, we see that Kira is there and that she works for Voss and Voss is very unhappy that they didn't get this coaxium for him. He says Beckett knows who Voss works for, and there has to be consequences. So he's going to kill them unless they can make it up to him. And Beckett says they'll get him the coaxium. Don't worry. We'll get it for you. But there isn't really an accessible target for coaxium. So Voss is like, well, you know, unless you know something that I don't, I'm just going to have to kill you here. Until Han suggests that they go after unrefined coaxium. So Voss sends Kira with them. And the first step that they have to do here is to find a ship. I thought that was kind of cool. That like Voss doesn't help them out at all. Like by giving them a ship. He's just like, well, go ahead and figure this out, you know, by yourselves. So they have to find a ship. And that's how they meet Lando. And Han... He, like, has heard about Lando before. They've never met, but he knows about this guy, Lando, who had a history of risking his ship in, like, a card game. So he's like, well, if maybe this is a good way for us to get a ship is by going to see this guy and, you know, trying to figure out a play where we can get him to lose a ship in this card game. I don't know. Okay, real quick. I Going off your point where you said that you like that, uh, Dryden doesn't help them. I almost wish that it would have been him who suggested Lando because it, clearly he's got pressure coming from above down on him if they don't get this. Okay. So I, I don't think he really expects them to, to get it. It would make him look better if he was able to give this to his guy, you know, his, uh, his I boss. Wonder- I don't know. I wonder if all he has to do is kill them for his boss to be happy. Because he seems fine to just kill them. He's like, I got to kill you. Then then what's the point of all of this? What's the point? But like, he's just the guy that like, give me the stuff. If you can't get it, I kill you. Someone else will get it. Like, I I don't know if he's that, you know, that level who just has to kill you if you don't do it. And we'll find someone else. And but that that was my problem with 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 Dryden is it. I don't think there was enough character moments for him to me he feels a lot like uh well not to give anything away but he feels like a darth maul character looks cool does cool actiony stuff but there's nothing else to him he's he's paper thin interesting because i i loved him i thought i thought he was fantastic yeah he's i think he's got i think he's got his job and he's not willing to let anybody else make him look weak or bad so he is but wouldn't he want people to make him look good i don't think i don't think it's about I, I, that but I, I think it's more about like proving yourself as as a worthy like subject or, or like helper for him so if he's giving you an opportunity to prove yourself and if you don't mm-hmm. he'll kill you um mm-hmm. but i think he wants himself to look strong i think he needs to look strong to his oh, boss deal yeah right right and so he, and, he'd look and weak think... by providing support or help maybe 
for them. Maybe that's why he doesn't do it. Is like, oh, I don't know. I don't. I, I get I get Alex's point, but I, I I get it. It's like I get it that like, wouldn't he want to provide that to his boss? But I, I just feel for I him do, like killing is enough. Like if he can kill them, he, that's fine. He's proven that he's but isn't that in boring? the right position. For, for, but for the viewer though, not to give him anything else. Like the, he's so one dimensional in this movie. It would have given him something else. Yeah, which, I mean he which, has a soft spot, he so he's he's got but, one other dimension. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a fair point maybe he didn't even have a ship to, to provide i don't know right and and he didn't and that's why i wish he would have suggested lando like yeah. if, if that information would have come from him i think it, well okay yeah. here's an interesting point then um alex maybe he doesn't know about lando maybe only kira knows about lando well and and it, that very well could be i'm just i'm trying to provide dryden with so give him something else what is he there, there for yeah yeah there wasn't enough for me he's a character that looked cool and sounded good talked cool but that's it you leave dryden why alone. isn't he just his boss <laughs> right no he, yeah i i don't know he, he the character didn't didn't work for me it had nothing to do with paul uh paul bettany like he, he I don't know. I just, I, I needed more to this villain. Yeah. Well, okay. I'll, I'll explain to you what the problem was. They spent too much time on the fucking action sequences. They didn't have any time to dig into his character. But the movie was only just over two hours. 2.15. Yeah. So That's far too long. Far, there's tons of time. So there was a completely different villain. And when Ron Howard came yes. on board, he hired Paul Bettany and they reshot all those scenes. So that could be where all this sort of. No, fell no, apart, no. You know? There was not a completely yeah. different villain. There was a completely different actor. Well, well yeah, he yes. was a different. There was a completely cre- di- so like, they had to reshoot everything. Yeah. But he was a different creature. He was but a different like, creature. Like, yeah, he was a lion. Yeah. 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 He was a lion? Yeah. Yeah, the original villain. Was, was a like lion? just a, like a lion type creature. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we I didn't it's know. Like you know, you know how Paul Bettany's henchmen were? Like they were lion oh, people. That's awesome. He awful. was a lion person. Yeah. Oh, thank yeah. goodness that that didn't happen. This <laughs> yeah. guy is so much better. I I liked him. I better liked him. looking, maybe. Better looking. You know, yeah, he, as a character, he looked cooler. But again, there's nothing to him. There's nothing to any of these characters. Please keep in mind, I like the movie. Like, I, yeah. I, I, no, no, I, so do I. I didn't want to come in here and just shit on the movie the whole time. No, that's uh, fine. But if you want to get into like, it. if you want to get into like, what character is the deepest? Like, Beckett is probably the deepest character in this movie because yep. we learn the most about him. We learn he has a wife. We learn his wife dies. We learn all the stuff he's going through. All the other characters, they're the same as as Dryden Voss. We don't get enough time with them. We don't learn enough from them. We don't care enough for them. So. I think what yeah. I, th- I agree with you. I think your problem with Dryden Voss is a problem with all the characters. Yes. Yeah. Um. So, Dean, what did you think of this card game here, where Han Solo needs to try to get a ship? Okay. So the card game for me is the best that Han Solo is in this movie. For me, I, I feel like there's other moments where he's very arrogant. You know, like the lines are kind of Han Solo-y lines, but I'm feeling a lot of arrogance, you know, and I, I don't really like him because he's, you know, he's just thinks so much of himself and I don't get it. But in this card game, he's having fun and he's arrogant. It's the best Han Solo moment for me. Um, also, you're surrounded like with the, in this table with all these creatures. I like I said before, I love the practical effects. Yeah. I love the creatures. This is honestly probably my favorite scene in the movie just because of all that. Just because of, um, you know, Donald Glover being an, an amazing Lando. 
uh, Han Solo being Han Solo for me, being funny, being charming, and then all these creatures. I, the charisma, I, yeah, the charisma, charisma in this yeah. scene is off the charts. Off the charts, which is what it needed to be for the whole movie, and I actually feel like it is only at this card table, right. unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it needs to, if he could just do what he's doing at this card table in the entire movie, I mean, then he's knocking it out of the park. Yeah, so... Yeah, basically Han is looking fantastic in this game. Yeah. Until it comes down to the big pot where both of their ships, him and Lando's ships are up for grabs. Um, Han doesn't have a ship. He's just acted his way into making them believe he does have a ship. And then Lando cheats to beat them. Another example of where I thought Han was going to win here, but he loses. It's another one of these like misdirections they give us. And he loses the game. Um, Great. But Kira says she knows Lando and that they can work something out. And Lando agrees to provide the Millennium Falcon for a cut of the uh, the take here. And yes. they they boost Beckett's character at this moment where Lando uh, comes up to meet Beckett. And he says, oh, I know you. Like, I know your name. You killed Aura Singh. Um, and he's like, I didn't kill her as much as just push her you know but i thought that was very interesting because aura singh is is like in the star wars universe is known as one of the most powerful bounty hunters out there she like trained boba fett for a long time after Django was killed she was the one in the phantom menace just overlooking the pod race uh, i thought yep. that oh, was cool. a nice touch to throw yeah. her in there but they nice. bring her up again here but now she's dead but Uh, They were really trying to show like Beckett is a serious, serious criminal here. He has serious skills. So, yeah. And I I think it it reminds you that we're outsiders to this world too. Like Han is an outsider. Lando's an outsider. The the only two people who know anything really about this world uh, are Beckett and, uh, and Kira. Yeah. Yeah, I I really like how Lando is just so charismatic. He goes, I need 50%. You know, Beckett says 25. He says 40. Beckett says 25 one more time, and that's it. Lando says, yep, 25's good. That again boosts Beckett, I think. Just being like, all he has to do is say the same thing twice, and everybody's listening. And then he knocks him down even further to 20 when there's like <laughs> yes. a, cl- a clamp on the Millennium Falcon because it's okay. been like impounded or something. I love this. Lando knows that his ship's impounded. So at this card table, you have Han Solo and Lando betting ships they don't have. Both Basically. of them are betting ships they do not have. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, Donald Glover calls him Han the whole time as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah like, throw, I love throw it. Back Empire. to uh, yeah. Yeah, Billy D. Williams. Because I don't think Billy D. Williams, I don't think anybody told him that it was supposed to be Han. I think he just yes. read the line as Han, and that was in the movie. So they, they, that's, I think that's more fan service here. Um, <laughs> Donald Glover is calling him Han the entire movie. Well, they also couldn't get uh, Leia Leah down in uh, in A New Hope, right? When you yes. when you go back, you'll hear her call either one just back and forth. Yeah, right. right. I I think the setup for Han is really good because um, Han sits down and says, "What are we playing, Sabak?" And he yeah. says, yeah. "Lando says it's Sabak." Yeah. And then he calls him Han later and he says, it's Han. It's yeah. just this back and forth with purpose. them. Their egos yeah. just going at each it's other. Great. I actually thought it was kind of perfect. It is yeah. perfect. I agree. Yeah. They're great complementary characters to each other. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So to get this unrefined coaxium, they're going to have to go to Kessel to get it. 
which means they're going to have to do the Kessel Run. Cool. And there's a coaxium refinery run by the Pikes, and they have uh, they have a plan to steal it. Now, the subsequent heist sequence and the escape sequence eats up 30 minutes of runtime in this movie. So I'll say it again. These sequences looked amazing because it did, but 30 minutes for a heist and escape is way too long. I, I just did not. This could have been done in five minutes, 10 minutes, but 30 Kessel minutes was very boring. No way. Kessel was very boring. Not the, okay. So like them stealing the coaxium, that part was, was really dull. I liked the rest of the scene like that was in yeah. space. But to me, that was the first time I felt in this movie, you're right, Tim, that this is too long. This is, I, I'm bored here. Yeah, my my best, my, 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 my favorite part about Kessel is like the first person that comes out to meet them, the first like alien that comes out to meet them that has like this mask on that has these two tubes that's like, I don't know, it's like it, dripping oil and water out of these two tubes. And I like, I couldn't take my eyes off this guy, but then he kind of gets killed within like three minutes. So then I'm, I'm a little over with this section and I want it yeah. just to be done. But like, it's the practical effects again, like the practical effects of this area are really good. You know, we got, we're, we're working with big sets here and it, it feels nice, but uh, yeah, it's, I, I agree. It's, it's a little bit long in this movie. Um, I thought Kira looked incredible. At this point in the movie, she's wearing some Orlando's gear. Like, oh my goodness, she looked amazing. I thought they've been slowly building throughout this movie, like building back up the relationship of Han and Kira because they they spent three years apart. Han gets, you know, back. He finally gets back to her and they're slowly building up this romance again. Um, So I liked that like just right off the bat when they saw each other it wasn't all of a sudden like okay let's just embrace we're in love again it was kind of like it's been too long um that that this right. time has passed but as this movie continues to go along and as they they start and continue to be in these hard um like moments these hard action sequences where they could be killed they start to get closer and closer to each other that allowed me to actually buy into the fact that that was real so I thought the movie did a good job of that. I think that all of that, though, comes from Kira. Because Han, three, those three years didn't exist for him. That's been his mission uh, this whole time, Alex. It's right. like he All he right. ever has wanted to do is get a ship and get back to Kira. So yep. that's what he does. And when he gets there, Kira's not at that place anymore. Exactly. But they yeah. slowly build it back up. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Because for Kira, like she was Han left and she was there and it's been three years like they don't have cell phones. He's not like, hey, I'll be right there. You know, hey, just working yeah. on getting a ship like she has no idea. She hasn't heard from him in three years. She's doing whatever it takes because she all she needs to do is get out. That's all she wants to do is try to find a way to survive, basically. And I love her performance. I love Amelia Clark in this movie. I think she's incredible. I think there's so much about her, like behind her eyes. She yes. looks so sad yeah. all the time while putting on sort of a happy face or putting on like in a moment, like, yeah, okay, that would be nice to do. Um, even though she's not talking that way, it's all behind her eyes. I think she's incredible in this movie. I think the relationship, I'm with you, Tim. I think the relationship is is very good. Like how it's just sort of building and you're like, Kira might be getting into this. You know, Kira might yeah. be like, okay, I'm, I'm getting on board with getting back together with Han here. I think that that could be my way. Yeah. Well, and I, th well, I think she 
she wants it to be. It's just her circumstance. Yeah. She she knows she's she because she is so much more mature than him. She knows that it can't be. Yeah. yeah, but at every turn, she's basically like not allowing herself to get into it, right? She's like, yeah. no, I don't think so. That would be nice if we could do that, but no. And it, right. I think it's a really good um, sort of building of their, you know, building of their relationship where Han is like, no, no, it'll be fine. You know, it'll be okay. And you yeah. can see for a second, she's like, maybe, you know, just for like a second. And then she goes back mm-hmm. to closed off. She's so good. She's incredible in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they get this um, unrefined coaxium. They, they make it off uh, the planet. They make their big escape. They get to this refinery just in time. Um, <laughs> Hold on, wait. Can we, can we talk about how cool that, like, uh, the the maelstrom creature was? Yeah, sure. I mean, with, the, with, again, all, with all the tentacles? That whole, that whole fucking scene looked incredible. It, looked it did, yeah. That it was so amazing. cool. I loved that. Yes. They get to the maw and it's this big uh, black hole that's going to you know, suck them in. And the way they have to use the coaxium to uh, j- just a drop of it yes. in, uh, in, in the Millennium Falcon to shoot out of there. And, and as the creature is being sucked into it, like its skin rips off oh, first. Amazing. Like yeah. it looks so cool. Yeah. I, I, that, that, it that was amazing. one of the coolest it looked amazing. action scenes in, in, in the movie. Yeah. I, I, re- I, I really 100% agree. Yeah. That was fun. That yeah. was fun. And again, again, it's just like, it's the arrogance of Han, right? He's like yep. driving the ship and he's like, yeah, let's do it. He goes in there before they have the navigation set up. He's just like, yeah, we'll figure it out. And he just flies exactly. in where no one should fly. It's, I, I love it. I love his arrogance in the movie. Yes. Yeah. Because that, that, that's Han. That's Han. Yeah. Exactly. That's what feels like Han when he does moves like that. I mean, also with Han, he's been saying this whole time. He's a great pilot. He's a great How many pilot, times yeah. does he say he's a great pilot? All the I time. I wonder if he's even a mediocre pilot. I, I yeah. feel like he's just propping himself up. He's like, yep. someone's like, do you need a pilot? Yeah, I'm a pilot. I'm a great pilot. I think he's just like saying that. I don't think he is yeah. a great pilot. I think he's learning on the job here. Uh, he's just, he has to say he's a great pilot so that he can like be part of Beckett's team. You know, he's like... Who needs a pilot? Well, I'm a great pilot, so take me because I can help out. But that's it's just a lie, right? It's just a... Yeah, I you're, like that a lot, me? Tim, because, yeah, we've seen him do... We've seen him attempt one move at the beginning of the movie. It failed. Yeah. He didn't make it. Right. And then we see him tell somebody that he flunked out of the academy. Like, yeah. that's, that's right. the only thing that we know. But it's not... I mean, it, the thing that was cool about Han was... it. It wasn't always his skill. It was just like his tenacity that would yeah. that would get him through totally the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like to think though that he is not a great pilot. He's I like not, that. He's yeah. actually not good. Yeah, he's just he's good just enough kinda, not to get killed. Yeah, he and he learns or he learns to be good, but yeah. like he at, when he's saying it, he's not really that good. He's just no, arrogant. He's yeah, exactly. Yeah, or he's just saying what he needs to say. He's saying what he needs to, to be say. accepted yeah. in yeah. that in that situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love when they get to the refinery um, because when, when they started this mission, the Millennium Falcon was pristine. It was yeah. beautiful. Yeah. It was gorgeous. And they do one mission and then this thing is fucking trashed. It looks like garbage. Uh, that's kind of the way we know it from the original trilogy is like, yeah, it got so busted up on this mission that this is what it looks like now. Um, and I like that Han can now claim that he did the, the Kessel run in 12 parsecs if you round down 
Yeah, you round nice, down. I thought that was a nice touch. It's good. Well, and they finally explained because that was always a problem. Was parsecs is not uh, is, is not a length of time. It's a it's a length of distance. Yeah, distance. Yeah. So before they can leave this refinery, uh, Enfys Nest shows up. She tells she tells them that Crimson Dawn has done terrible things to innocent people across the galaxy, and that she's rebelling against them, and she needs the coaxium. To help and this tugs at Han's heartstrings and he no longer wants to give Dryden Voss the coaxium and Beckett wants nothing to do with this plan and he takes off so Han Chewie and Kira go to Dryden Voss with the coaxium and I really liked this scene when they get to Voss with the coaxium because basically what's happening here is Beckett has already double-crossed Han he's already told Voss that they're not going to bring him the coaxium, that they're going to give the coaxium yeah. to Enfys Nest. So Voss is really playing it up here. Like he's believing what they're saying about this mission that has failed. You know, he's just like, oh, are you okay? You yeah. know, what happened? And the old Beckett got killed. Oh, are you feeling okay about that? How are you, Kira? How, how's everything going? And he already knows that they're there lying to him. So... I really like this scene on the second viewing when you know that he knows and you get to watch how excellent he acts in this moment. It's one right, of my yeah. favorite scenes in the movie. I agree. Yeah. They all think that they have the upper hand yeah. in this moment. But he yeah. does. Yeah. It, it, was, it, it, it was a lot of fun. And Beckett's been telling him from, from the beginning, trust no one. Right. Yeah. yeah. And Voss eventually invites Beckett into the room to join them. So, you know... It's you're in trouble now, right? We know yep. we know what's going on. You're this guy just turned you now, in. yeah. But this was all part of Han's plan because he was expecting Beckett to betray him because that is his character. That's the character yeah. Han already picked up on. He knows that. But Han also needs Beckett here in this moment to steal the coaxium. So this is a pretty good plan by Han. Yeah. To have Beckett there, have Beckett turn them in, but also be there where he can then turn Beckett and get him to steal the coaxium. So uh, Beckett ends up making off with the coaxium and Han and Voss have their big kind of like final fight. And bit of a shocker when Kira is the one who ends up killing Voss. Which, In such a cool way too. A very yeah, that cool was, That was awesome. And I think that weapon really... that he used earlier with the, uh, that like laser double-sided dagger. And as that sort of like starts to go through her sword, it gets stuck. And then she uses the sword to swing the dagger in to impale him and kill him. That was cool. Yeah. And it's it, again, it's just like Kira just figuring out what she needs to do, you know, for that next step. And mm -hmm. she realizes that she is um, Dryden Voss's weakness. So she's going to use that in that moment against him. I'm not sure if she knew that before that moment because he sent her on the mission and then he was going to kill everybody if they came back and failed. You could see it in her eyes when she was sent on the mission. Like, does that include me? Is he also going to include me? And then when she comes back and she sort of realizes that he's going to give her a chance to redeem herself, even though she lied to him, yeah. she's like, I'm his weakness. I can turn this against him and I can get the upper hand. Why couldn't we have just gotten a, a movie about Kira? 
Yeah, Kira rules. I love Kira. Yeah, yeah she was, if it was she, just about Kira. It would be she's perfect. the most interesting. Character. Everyone would love it. Yeah. Well, I was already thinking of that earlier because yeah, when we were talking about how she's the one that is struggling along, kind of like reconnecting with Han, um, we don't know why she has so much struggle here. Um, yeah. Han was the one who was just like, yeah, sure. Let's just get back together because he left her. Uh, he loves her. That's how we think that she left him. And we expect her to be like that, but she's not. So what's actually yeah. happened in those three years that has disconnected her so much from Han. I bet there's some yeah. real terrible stuff that's going on that they don't, you know, share with us. So yeah, I wouldn't be interested. Right. In which that. we all, which we could have gotten had they spent more time on characters. Exactly. Yeah. I, I yeah, really, sure. really like that they let Kira be the one to kill Voss and not Han. I really like that. Too many times sure. in movies, it's going to be Han to, to be the one to do it, right? But the, the fact that they let Kira be the one, I thought that was a great choice. Totally, because Han would just be circumstantial. It'd just be like, because he's yeah. in that moment, that's why he did you're, it. You're but Kira is it, right? actually like... Yeah, and Kira is actually like, this means something. Like, this is something for her character to do this. And it was a shocker. It was a shocker moment It was a shocker, for, for sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it still looks, though, like Kira wants to be with Han, but that's not the case. She yeah. sends him off to catch up with Chewie and Beckett, but she does not follow. Yeah. She takes the Crimson Dawn ring off of Voss, uses it to open up a communication with Darth Maul, Mm-hmm. And she tells Darth Maul Voss is dead. Maul tells Kira to take Voss's ship and join him on Dothamir, where they'll discuss things further. So this is the best moment in the movie for me. I mean, the return of Darth Maul. This I, this was just like, oh, I love this. Thank this you. is definitely one of the biggest fan servicey moments of the movie. Uh, it, it it was cool though. I'm, I'm, I want to like the moment, but I don't, I'm not, I don't know about the moment, you know, like to me, I, I haven't watched Clone Wars. So to me, he, he like Darth Maul got cut in half a long time ago and now he's back with metal legs. I want to like it. So I just want to be explained why I should like it. Well, you would have gotten that in the next movie if there was going to be one, right? Like they were kind of right. setting yeah, that up. Yeah, totally. But, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I did watch the Clone Wars. I know that he's back. I yeah. loved it for that reason that we got to yes. see him. I would have loved it if I didn't see the Clone Wars. The fact okay, that he's yeah, back, yeah. even if they didn't explain to me how he's back, I just would have been like, wow, Darth Maul's back? That's amazing. I don't care how he's back. Just eventually maybe show me how. But right now, I'm so into it. Uh, when that, yeah, cool. When I saw that scene, I was so hoping that they would continue on with more of this story oh, so that I can see more too. of Maul. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So Han catches up to Beckett, and Beckett already instinctually knows that Voss is dead and that Kira did it. Yeah, I love that. He's good. Beckett he's is good. good. He is good. And as he's going on a rant to Han about just like kind of like lessons. Like you gotta you gotta if you're gonna survive this game, you just you gotta be better. And while he's ranting, Han shoots him dead, which was a great moment. Great unexpected Han moment. Han shot first. Yeah, yeah. Beckett was going to shoot. Yeah. And, and and Beckett even tells I him. I loved it. He goes, yeah, yeah. you that, that you made the smart choice. You know, yeah. You, you, He's you like, I was going to shoot you. Yeah. yeah. This, is, this is sort of another unexpected thing for me totally. in this movie. We are now Disney Star Wars. 
I expect them to go the other way, especially how this movie's going. I expect them to be like, no, 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 this guy's the hero. The other guy pulled the gun on him and then he shot. No, they go with that. He pulled out the gun, shot him. I like it. I don't care if it's fan servicey. I like it. Great moment. So Han has to watch as Kira takes off in Dryden Voss's ship. And she does leave him with the coaxium though, which was kind of like a, kind of like a sweet moment, I thought, where she was okay just letting him have it. Maybe her way of like reaching out to him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because it would look better for her if she took it. it would look way better for her. Yeah, interesting. Didn't but think I mean, about it that was either. Just another, it was another example of her. She knows it, it. it's a life that she could have had, but knows that she can't have. And yeah. she, she still wants it. Um, you know, she still cares for him. Yeah. Yeah. Again, again, it's like more about just doing what it takes to survive. You know, she thinks that she can just report back to Darth Maul that, you know, all this stuff happened and she doesn't really need to have the coaxium to go back to him. Right. You know, I like to yeah. I like to think, though, that she's helping Han out and like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. she, she lives that. in two. She lives in uh, up until that point. She she sort of lived in two worlds. And yeah. by the end, she chose the she she chose one over the other. Yeah. Yeah. I like that, though. Like It's kind of like, did she choose, though? You know, if there was a second movie, she kind of she did. It could be yeah. they, they both could be still be open. Right. Because she she did go off to mall, but she also left Han with like a huge score for himself. So it could kind of be like, well, you know, if they if they elaborated in another movie, I would I'd buy into still that she was still interested in living a life with Han. It is it is like, does she just need to climb the next ladder and kill who's at the top? You know, because she's like, there's always someone, there's always a master, you know, there's always someone who's going to be coming after you. She told Han, you know, it, it doesn't matter if we kill Dryden Voss and we are on the run, doesn't matter. Like, there's still going to be someone after us. Maybe she's working her way up to get to that point where she and can actually run if away And if she's at them. the top, yeah. then she can just get back together with Han, eh? Yeah. Unfortunately, well, again, we're following, <laughs> we're following the wrong character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Unfortunately, she's landed a Darth Maul and good luck, Kira. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. Oh, well. So Han has the coaxium and he does give it to Enfys Nest, who uses it to fund the rebellion. But Enfys gives Han a small vial of his own, which was a very nice callback to the beginning of the movie because he stole a small mm. vial of coaxium at the very beginning of this movie and lost it and now ends up with one right at the end. So Nice. This- and now instead of with Kira, he's with Chewie. Exactly, yeah. It's a new love story. A little hey, but you hairier, know what? Yeah. Laying, in, laying in Chewie's lap is a lot more comfortable. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> hey, true. Yeah. That's true. That's what we hear. <laughs> yeah. Now, the coaxium is worth enough for Han to get back in a game of Sabacc with Lando. Great. Where, where Han beats Lando at his own cheating game. Han wins the Millennium Falcon. Han and Chewie set off in the Millennium Falcon and they head to Tatooine for a big score that Beckett told them about and the end. Yeah. Great. It's a fun movie. I'm going to say it's fun. Yeah. That's what I'll give it. I did read something about how there was uh in the in the book adaptation of this the they have an epilogue where uh Emphis Nest brings the Quaxium to cuz they say that it's going to help the the rebellion. Yeah. They bring it to Saw Gerrera 
And, oh, cool. Uh, oh, okay. And Jen Urso to start yeah, to nice. nice. Yes. that. Yeah. I like that because I was wondering where that was going to go. I, I wondered yeah. like what part of the rebellion right. was it going to be? Was it going to be to Leia? Was it going to be to help their elf efforts? So that's very cool. I like, I like that. Yeah. Cool. So cool. No, I, I have a lot of, lot of problems with the movie, but at, you know, the, the credits roll and I go, yeah, that was fun. That was a good way to spend two hours. I've seen it three yeah, times. Totally. Yeah. I could watch it again. It was fun enough yeah. to watch again. I've got yep, my beefs, yeah. but it's a it's a good movie. Yeah, I and I understand all the beefs, um, and they've all been in my mind for every time I've watched it. But then this last time I watched it, I was just like, you know, forget everything. Let's just watch this movie. And man, did I have a hell of a time with it. I just had a lot of fun with it. Every moment kind of just clicked for me. I didn't even. I just kind of you know put all that stuff out of my mind. And yeah, I I loved it. I had a great time. Yeah, nice. Well, Alex, thank you so much for joining. We had a great yeah, time thank you chatting for having with me. you. Yeah. yeah, we'll definitely have you back. Please. Tim, Tim, do we have to do a quick rank? Oh, we do have to do a ranking. Yeah. We've been ranking these movies. Okay, do you want to go first, Dean? I can go first. Okay. And I apologize. I'm sorry, but it is Solo at number one for me. Revenge of the Sith, The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones. That is my ranking right now. All right. I have Revenge of the Sith, Attack of the Clones, The Phantom Menace, Solo. All right. Hey, can I can I play along? Do you want to jump in? Yeah, yeah play sure, along. You got those four. Uh, Revenge of the Sith, um, Phantom Menace, Solo, Attack of the Clones. Fun. Nice. We all have a different ranking. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Star Wars is great. Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. It's, it's all Star Wars. It's all personal feels. Whatever works for you, it's all good. No judgment. Listen, everybody, check out everything on the BFOP network. There's a lot of great podcasts that we're um, partnered with, and they're all excellent. Check them out. And if you want some bonus content from Talking Back, check out our Patreon page. There's a whole bunch of fun stuff there. Alex, thanks again, man. It was wonderful chatting with you about Star Wars. Thank you for having me. Dean, thank you for joining. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal is a joke. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the episode, everybody. We wanted to let you know if you'd like to show your support for Talking Back, then please check out our Patreon page where you can join one of our membership tiers and unlock bonus episodes and more each and every month. Or you can check out our page at buymeacoffee.com slash talkingback where you can make a one-time donation of any amount, or feel free to leave a positive review for us on iTunes. All three options are great ways to show your support for the show. That's it. We're done.